In today's shir, we are going to continue the discussion of Kinyanin, and we're going to examine the level called Mishapara. Now, Mishapara is the level of, of commitment known as a cash payment. It has an institution of Chazal called Mishapara as they back out after a cash payment. So what exactly does that mean? So we spoke about it last week. And we said that Chazal saw a need to block cash from being a valid Kenyan because otherwise you would have situations where after the seller receives the cash, he's not going to properly take care of the item until the item is delivered to the buyer. And therefore Chazal said cash is not an acceptable form of Kenyan until you actually do a Meshicha, a physical acquisition or Hakbo, whatever, each thing according to the Kenyan necessary. And therefore the cash will not work by movable items. That was a Gezerah Shema Yerimunis of Chavitach We're afraid that the seller will tell the buyer, sorry, there was a fire and your items got burned, I couldn't deliver it to you. So therefore Chazal said in this discussion, that money is not a valid Kenyan. Now again, obviously no one's going to sell you something if you don't give them money. But the money, the transaction of giving the money, is not enough to become the owner of the item. You have to also make a subsequent quinine. You have to, the buyer has to receive it in order to make it his. So what prevents the buyer and seller from backing out if the cash is not enough, right? So let's say they made a cash deal, and then the next day the buyer sees that he could have gotten it someplace else for half the price. So he comes back to the buyer, starts hemming and hawing, he says, you know, I'm not sure if I want it, my wife doesn't like it, whatever, takes the cash, he runs to the other store, and he buys the item. So, that's not an acceptable way of Jewish business. When a person pays cash, there's a level of commitment over here that's real. What did Chazal do to enforce that level? Chazal instituted a concept called Mishapara. Mishapara is a curse that Chazal instituted on a person who does not keep his word. In this case, a very serious level of his word where he actually paid cash for the item. Now the Gemara tells us that according to one opinion, when they take the fellow in Besden and they, they personalize the curse to him, they actually say, you, so-and-so, are going to be cursed with the curse of Darha Mabel, of the people during the time of the Mabel, because you did not keep Yabisha Eni someone who does not stand, uh, does not keep their word, they're going to be cursed with the curse of the Dara Mabu. This is a very interesting thing. Why would Chazal invoke the Dara Mabu? So the Aruch HaShulchan says, because unfortunately, and we see this today, people are influenced by the culture that they're in. Now in the business world, it's an entire culture. Business is not just a question of making money or, or having bread to eat. It's an entire culture. There's entire um, mannerisms that are associated with business. There's modes of dress that are associated with business. It's a culture. And in the culture of business, part of this culture is that people just, they'll just um, back out on their commitments, they'll stab someone in the back without thinking twice. Anything that allows them to move ahead in business and be successful. So Chazal wanted that we should institute a curse that even a businessman would understand because he doesn't have to wait to Erlom Habar to get ahead and to get punished for backing out. In this world, Hashem is going to pay back that someone who doesn't keep his word in business is going to lose money in business. So it's a one plus one business cheshman. It's a one plus one mathematical equation that if you want your business to succeed, Chazal is telling you, your business will only succeed 
if you keep your word and your commitment that you made by paying this cash. So therefore, when a person gives cash and he makes this agreement, obviously that's why he's giving the cash, he's buying this car or whatever it is he's buying, and, and therefore he's not allowed to back out or else his business is going to suffer a loss. So, obviously we have to examine this. What, exact, what does it mean to say that the cash is not enough? That many times we'll have a situation where you'll have that people well, people will have um, a change in the market price. They'll have a change in market price. Does that allow the person to back out from his cash purchase? He wants to buy, let's say, for argument's sake, a certain amount of stocks, or a certain amount, let's say he got a good deal on a bunch of laptops, he paid cash to be able to get the good price, and then he finds out that the, that the prices in some places else are much, much better. The law is like this. If it was just a verbal commitment, which we spoke last week, then we pass and you are allowed to. But here where you gave cash, cash is already a commitment that does not allow retraction, even in a case of trade tari. In fact, the reason why Chazal made the Klala, Mishapara, one of the main reasons is to prevent exactly this, that a person is going to back out once he gave the cash because he found a better deal someplace else. So therefore, it's basically once you make a cash purchase, for all practical purposes, you're, you cannot back out. It's as if you're locked into the Kenyan. The only thing you don't have is you actually don't own the item yet. But as far as the Kenyan goes, you're completely locked in. Now, what's going to be if I paid with a check? What's going to be with a check? What's the question? The question is like this. We said the reason why the, the cash is, is not enough is because once a seller receives cash, He's not going to bother trying to save the item if there's, let's say, a fire that breaks out or something. But in the case of a check, he still has to cash the check. Right? Or a shtaris chayvis, it's called a person writes an IOU. If a person gives this IOU, he still has to cash that. So there we may find valid ground to argue that in that case the check should be kinder because the seller will be mice and efforts, will do whatever he can do to save the item of the buyer because he hasn't received the cash yet. So do you say that in that case the check will work as cash? So this is the Machloikas, the Machnafrayim, and the Nasiris. Now I'm going to, before we get to this, I just have to speak at one thing. We're going to see subsequently that for a different reason a check is a valid Kenyan. But we're talking about right now the concept of a Shtar Skyvis or a check that as it is as an IOU. For another reason a check will work but as an IOU, will it work? So it's a machlekes in Machafrayim and the Nesivis. Machafrayim says yes. The reason we just said, because the seller will be careful. The Nesivis and Simrish Dalit argues in the Machafrayim and says it's a loy plug. Chazal said it's, there's no difference. Anything that falls into the category of Kenyan Kesef, anything that can be referred to as Kenyan Kesef, the Gemara Kedushin, the Aftazan, I believe, refers to a Shtar Schaibis as Kesef. And therefore, since it's called Kesef, Chazal said that will not work. So even though the logic of Chazal will not apply in this case, because the seller will be careful to make sure the item doesn't get ruined, because he hasn't received cash, nonetheless, as the Nesivas, the Kenyan is not going to work. Now, there's another discussion as far as damages. Let's say there's a situation where a da this damage actually happened to the item. So you paid with cash, and then your item was struck by lightning while it's still in the store before it was delivered to you. So you have the right to back out 
until a physical acquisition, you have the right to back out. Because it's a concept called the hefsa. Now, this is the machlokes rishonim, and the shulchanar paskins like the shita that you are allowed to back out because of this hefsa. And the rishonim adds to this that even if the hefsa has not come yet, it's based on a smah in siman reish dalit. That even if the hefsa has not actually begun, but you see the hefsa coming, you hear a hurricane. There's a hurricane coming. And you know that the item that you buy is, go, is something that can be damaged by such a hurricane. The, you have, as long as it, the possibility is that the item can be totally damaged, you have the right to back out even after a cash payment. If the item can only be slightly damaged, on the other hand, that's not enough. An actual damage, you're allowed to back out after a even a slight damage, like a partial damage. But before it happens, before the... the, the Ex post facto, you're allowed. You're only allowed to back out if there was a, a fear of total damage. But post facto, it's even a partial damage. You're allowed to back out. So, where's what's a practical example of this? Practical example. Like, let's take a case. Let's examine a case over here. A person orders. He sells. Let's say he sells a lulavim and a sreigim every sukkah. So he orders some retzral, a shipment of sreigim, and along the way, and route, the the ship sinks. The ship sinks, all has a sregum or something. Now, this business is a cash business, let's assume, and the deal that, that was made was that when his, his representative in Israel pays the seller for this sregum, he's going to ship that sregum, so he had paid in cash. The items were paid in cash, and then they were loaded onto the boat, and they sank in the middle. So, who takes the loss? Is it the seller of this sregum, or is it the buyer of this sregum in America that was ordering this sregum? Who takes the loss? So obviously everyone's going to say, one second, there's insurance. Okay, so if there's insurance, that may allow uh, a form of repayment. But let's decide first who owns the Esregim, and then we'll examine if insurance does anything for that. So let's, let's go for a second with the Shiloh of Kesef, how Chazal allowed Kesef to, to work. Chazal said that when the buyer is giving the seller the money, it's not enough until it's a physical acquisition. So the item is en route, and the item sinks. Therefore, the item that sunk still belongs to the seller, because the buyer has not physically received the item. The esregim, in this case, were not received by the buyer. Now, on the other hand, there's a different Gemara. The Gemara tells us that when it comes to tzarchi mitzvah, cash does work. The Gemara says, sell, as far as the Gemara is discussing selling meat on Arab Yontiv, the Gemara says when you sell meat on Arab Yontiv, Chazal said that in that case, cash will work. Why is that? Because the way that the form of business in Arab Yontif is that things are going quicker and they allow cash to work. We don't expect the person is going to back out or whatever. So we can argue that it's regular, and in that case, the buyer should take the loss because the cash that he had given in Eretz Yisrael was a, a successful Kenyan for the item because it's Sarfei Mitzvah. However, it says in, in the Pesach it brings down a tshuva that a person only had, can only take advantage of this hector of cash working for Tzarek Mitzvah only on Arab Yontiv. On Arab Yontiv is where Chazal allowed it to happen. But in this case, he doesn't discuss this case, but we're applying it to this case of the Yisraelim that sunk and route. In this case, the, it was not Arab Yontiv yet, so even though it's Tzarek Mitzvah, the, the Yisraelim still belonged to the seller, and the seller would have to take the loss. Now the question is, what about insurance? 
Now, what does that mean exactly? It means like this. Insurance is a form of guaranteeing that, that the, whoever's items these are should not get lost. So let's say the buyer would own the item. In other words, let's say Chazal would have allowed the kidney cancer to work, and the buyer would own the item. Are we afraid that the seller is not going to protect the buyer's interests until the buyer receives the item? In a case of insurance, we can argue it doesn't matter, because since it's insurance, so either way, the buyer is protected by the insurance. So maybe Chazal would allow that, in this case, the cash should work, and therefore the Yisraelim that sank were the buyer's Yisraelim, not the seller's Yisraelim, and let the buyer deal with the headache of filing the claim with the insurance or whatever. Says the Pisgah Tshuva that insurance is not either an effective way how to override Chazal's Takana. Because at the end of the day, it's again, it's a loy cloak. Chazal said anything that works with cash in, in the cases that they instituted, it's not going to help having external factors to change the Takana, and therefore the item belongs to the seller until it is received by the buyer, insurance notwithstanding. Now again, the seller is insured, so he can get money from the insurance hopefully, so that will pay for his loss. But who's responsible for it? It's going to be the seller that's responsible for it in this case.